Welcome to the Dylan Experience. This is episode 31. I'm your host, Dylan Sessler, and I'm here with a special guest for you. But before we get to that guest, make sure you like, subscribe, uh, follow whatever platform you're following on. Um, go ahead and make sure you're uh, subscribed so you can keep in contact. Uh, my next guest is a certified leadership coach through John Mac Maxwell's uh, team program and a DISC uh, certified consultant with a special, uh, excuse me, words, specific focus on relational leadership, how to lead through relationships. His 20 year marriage has developed this focus while supporting his wife through multiple battles with mental illnesses. My guest has been navigating the mental health space while managing things like building a church, raising children, starting businesses, and of course, the bonding through the intricacies of marriage. My guest today is Jim Burgoon. Jim, how you doing? Dude, I am fabulous to be here with you, to be here with your audience, and just kind of dive into some stories that, that could definitely inspire and help them uh, wherever they are. Absolutely. Let's, let's start with your story, right? Tell me you know, tell me how you became Jim Burgoon that I'm looking at right now. So that's a great question. How did I become me that you see right now? That's been a long journey, as I'm sure a lot of people have that, you know, this whole long journey, ups and downs. Mine started really young. When I was a young guy, I'm talking like before 10, I actually ended up wanting to be an entrepreneur since a young age. And I had three businesses that were super successful. And it was, it was a very exciting time, you know, like here you are at 12. And the, I was 12 around the time Penny Candy was still around. So like, it was super, so you get like $30 a week and you're like, yo, that's a lot of Penny Candy, super fun. Well, then I went through a lot of trauma. And, uh, you know, throughout that thing, like when I was 10 years old, I watched my grandfather choke to death. And when I was like 11, 12, my sister got a brain tumor. And I mean, I have a laundry list of things that I've been through like that, or maybe it was neglect or some emotional abuse and abandonment for my dad. And there came a point where there was a lot of words spoken over, spoken over me, like a lot of what we call like negative words that my heart came into agreement with. And one of those words, I was actually training to be a musician and they meant well, my parents, my mom, my, my dad had left when I was young. So I didn't have any father growing up. Um, and the one father I did have, like I said, my grandfather, he, we watched him die when I was 10. And so this whole story kind of gets in there to this place where it's, where we, um, where they kept saying these things and, and they were like, you have no talent is what was spoken over me. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I started believing that because I was, a, I was a, an accomplished musician. I was all Catholic within side the, you know, the city of Philadelphia, which is a huge city for high schools and things. And I was, you know, like I said, entrepreneur and all those things that word mixed in with the abandonment and the rejection and all these things that I felt put me on a path that spiraled me. I had my grandfather who died. I had my sister who now has a brain tumor around this time. And I had this abuse and this trauma and this stuff that I had gone through. And I left everything that I loved. And I decided to do what everybody else wanted me to do. Like my family wanted me to go to college and be a doctor, whatever. I just went to college. And I got to the place where I was so in so much pain that I was running from so much that I ran from Philadelphia and I joined the military. So I was in the military for a number of years and uh, it's where I met my wife. It's where I met Jesus. It's where a lot of things changed for me. Now I'm not a military guy. Some, some people are there. There's their lifelong thing. I'm a free spirit, but it was an out for me. And while I got to travel, I traveled 30 different countries and I, you know, really had a great time, but it wasn't until I don't know, several years after I met my wife, you know, I had just found Jesus. I got 
went to Bible college to finish up a degree. I ended up planning a church with a bunch of my friends and really on this journey of health and healing to the point where in the last five, six years, I finally just reaccepted what my calling in life was. And that was the entrepreneurial journey. But I realized being that I'm almost 44 years old now that I legitimately have, you know, we've started churches and we've had different things throughout this course. I've been married for 20 years with kids, navigating mental illness and just all of this stuff and all this life experience to finally get back to where I started to say, after 20 years of, you know, personal development, leadership development, a master's degree in leadership, all this stuff to get back to all I've ever wanted to do is help people. And all I've ever wanted to do is make money doing that because I just feel that when you help people, value and money go together. So the more I can make, the more I can help because it's all about my life is about giving back. And so now I'm back at 44 years old, about to be 44 in April, what I, what I left at when I was 10. And it was been a long road. It's been a bumpy road. It's been a road with lots of falls and lots of flips and lots of failures. And, but every bit of that has been processed and, and healing and continually being healing to be who I sit right now to be more, not more stronger, but stronger in my identity, stronger in who I am and stronger in what I know that I'm good at. And that's where we are today. That's one. It's incredible. I mean, there's, there's so many ways, there's so many directions I want to take that, but I, I think one of the things I'm always curious about is you, you said the word trauma, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's not a common word in society. It's not a common word that we just, dis- that we discussed growing up, right? I'm, I'm a bit younger than you, but I grew up in a very similar generation of, we didn't have that word to talk about, right? right. The only, the only time we really understood that word is when you talk about PTSD and right. realistically, that's not, that's not a discussion. So where did you learn about trauma? Where did you start to recognize what trauma does, what it is, how it impacted you? You know, where did you actually start to recognize these, these things? That's a, that's a great question. And that was actually in my wife. And the, the, the thing with that is, is what I, we label as trauma was normal for me. I grew up in that. That's, you know, you're in Philadelphia, it's a rough city. It's, you know, and I think that's generally many people's story nowadays is what once was never talked about, which was dysfunction is commonplace. And so in the midst of that, I had gone through all of this and I just thought that was normal. Like people just do this and this is what you felt until I met my wife and my wife started struggling with, with these, with, with things that were outside the realm of what I thought was, you know, like, like a baseline of here's how people should be acting or here's how this, this was way off and it was all over the place. And I didn't understand why at first, and it really got me stopping and thinking, and I'm like, what is happening that is causing this lack of stability, this chaos? So I started reading and I started asking questions. This is long before my wife was even diagnosed. And I was like, I started asking questions and that's where the terms like trauma and illness and mental illness and all started really popping up for me. And then shortly thereafter, my wife actually committed herself into the hospital because she was, we had 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 like, uh, we, it was five years into our marriage and we had had uh, basically like a little spat, little, Hey, we disagreed. And I was at a point where I was like, listen, just go do your thing. I'm going to do mine. We weren't going to split or nothing, but I was just like, do your thing, do mine. I'm going to do mine. I just, we just need to cool down. Well, a day into that, two days into that, she tried to kill herself and actually ended up calling the police. So I had a knock on my door and then a cop opens and they said, Hey, somebody, somebody called in saying they're going to hurt themselves. And I was like, 
excuse me, total out of left field. And my wife was hospitalized the first time of probably 12, 13 different times. That was the first one where they said, hey, and she was in there for about seven days. And she, they said, hey, your wife has these particular illnesses. And, I, and that was where I was like, okay, what is this all about? And I started diving into studying and talking and asking questions and learning about really what does trauma do to a person? What does things that we go through, what impact does that have on us? How does coming into agreement with the mean things that happen to us or the awful things cause us to stall in life, to cause us to go forward? Like, what does that all look like? And so I've spent the last probably 20 years really trying to dive into that more or less to try to help my wife. But in trying to help my wife, it's really helped myself as well. And then all those that I coach, or if I'm speaking on a stage, this is something to be to be talked about. And one last point, uh, too, is I taught public school for about 10 years. And it was also another thing to see that and play a lot of what I was learning to be able to help those students right. in that because now I'm, it's now trauma based care as opposed to just let's care for the students, because many of our students nowadays are going through very similar issues. So, right. Absolutely. I, it's so, it's so relatable, you know, in many ways, cause, cause my relationship with my wife, like we've both been through difficult things. We've both been through trauma in many ways. Um, I'm, I'm curious, you know, when you, when you started to recognize that within your relationship, was there, was there an initial kind of overwhelm of, of guilt, of shame, of regret for, some of the things that you imparted upon her in, in your own relationship with, you know, yourself and not recognizing that trauma. Um, and what was that like? That's a great, oh my gosh, it's such a good question. And I think the big thing about that was the moment she got that she got diagnosed, it really gave us permission to talk about things we've never talked about. So we really like part of her diagnosis and we're open about it. We've done podcasts together on it, but like part of her diagnosis really deals with heavy shame and guilt. And so she felt a lot of the guilt, but I had been through a bunch of trauma to where my trauma response was humor and taking care of people. And so I didn't really feel a lot of guilt. I felt a lot of obligation or even false sense of responsibility for things. And I did take that probably too much responsibility, but that was something that I dealt with. And then I'd make a joke out of it. But that dynamic really opened up the conversation to say, you know what, I'm sorry that I did this because I said this to you because of my own trauma. And I recognized that. And I didn't feel guilty from that. I recognized it and grabbed hold of it and said, this is what happened. I can't change that, but we can change it moving forward. And where my wife was on the other end of that being that, you know, at the time she was diagnosed with six different things throughout our, throughout our lives. And, you know, bipolar being one of them, borderline being one of them, OCD, PTSD, ADHD, and um, generalized anxiety. And so she dealt with a lot of shame and guilt in that, in that whole mix. So she felt immensely shameful and guilty that she did that to us. And she still does to this day, 20 years later, she still struggles through that but there's a better conversation. There's a better dynamic. And then when we got, gave our lives to Jesus and we had that faith conversation on top of that, that was a whole other level and a whole other layer of safety and and love that came in to really have these deep conversations that says, you know, we're not our trauma. We deal with our trauma. And the differences in one of the conversations we have in our household a lot is 
do you have trauma or does your trauma have you? Yeah. And there's a big difference in that. And that's the same differences. Are you a victim or are you victimized? Because I'm going to tell you, if you're just victimized, that's a better position than living life as a victim. Just like, you know, trauma. It, I have trauma. I had trauma and I have trauma. She does. We're working through that, but we're working hard that it doesn't control us and it doesn't guide or inform our lives. Right. That's really powerful. Well, I want to I want to dig into a, another piece of the faith. Now, a lot of a lot of the people I deal with, um, it's it's across the board, right? I deal with people that yeah. are 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 Christian. I've dealt with people that are uh, atheist. I've dealt with people that are everywhere in between that kind of realm and that spectrum. I've dealt with people that uh, are are Muslim. I've done dealt with people that are across the board, vastly different religions and what I'm, what I'm curious about is, or, well, at least what I know is that faith is really incredibly powerful, regardless of whether you believe in God or not. There's a difference between religion and faith. And I, I truly believe that faith is important. Um, and I'm curious as to when you look at that within the context of your story and your wife's story, tell me what, What's the fundamental premise behind your faith that has helped you kind of solidify the, the, the foundation of one, your relationship with yourself, um, and also the relationship with your wife? It comes down to a word, acceptance. And I mean, if I really look at it, I have been on the other side of the, most of this coins. Um, you talk about different religions. I've been an atheist. I, I, was a, I was practicing witchcraft for about 15 years, atheism for about 15, just the same. Um, and I dabbled in Buddhism, Hinduism, and several other things. And, you know, the whole time I was searching, I was searching for something I didn't have. And that was acceptance because a lot of my trauma is rejection based. Yeah. And even my wife's trauma, it's a lot of rejection. She had been sexually abused and rejected. I have been rejected and abandoned and different things like that. And it came back to this whole thing of acceptance. And when I tried all these other religions, I always felt empty. I always felt this place where I was always constantly searching or constantly having to fight or constantly have to do something to, to attain something. And then I was introduced to Christianity. Now I wasn't, when I was first introduced to Christianity, I didn't even want to hear it. I didn't even like, I was like, no, this is not a thing. I know. And I mean, I cussed out the storm when I first got introduced, but over the course of uh, several years, about three or four years, I think it was, that I finally came to a place where I'm like, you know what, I'm going to try this. And, you know, you see a lot of the churches and they're all like, hey, pray this prayer, do this thing. You know, I had a conversation where I literally debated the youth pastor for four hours before I decided that I'm going to try this. And then even the prayer that I prayed to accept Christ was, Lord, I don't like you, but I think I can learn to love you. And, 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 and I tried it my way. And these people say that your way is better, so I'm going to try it. And now I'm 20 some years later after doing that. And I've, man, I've seen, I, I live in a fullness. I live in a contentment. I've seen hundreds of people change their lives, man, come off drugs, marriages restored, healing, like all sorts of things. And it always comes back to this one thing is acceptance. And it's not a question of accepting your actions. It's accepting who I am and then calling me to be something more. And that was what was missing in my life is it was this whole utter acceptance of come as you are, 
but then this call that says you can't stay like this because there's something better. And that's what drove me into, you know, really diving into leadership, personal development, and just like this biblical understanding of what does it look like to be a godly person living this life, even if you don't agree with everybody in the world, and that's okay, you're not going to. How can we live in this ecumenical times where we can disagree and still love one another, that we can share truth without having to have that, you know, that I hate you, you hate me, let's whatever, but have a conversation around truth, whether you accept it or not. But it all comes back to that acceptance. And I think that's the message of the cross is you're accepted. Now, once you accept it, that you're accepted, let's do something. So, yeah, I think, I think you've made a lot of good, really, really good points about I think what's kind of the premise of faith, um, you know, in terms of what it is that you're looking for. Right. Um, I think, I think people are always trying to find fulfillment. People are always trying to find acceptance and they're trying to find purpose and, and develop themselves to be a functional part of society. Uh, and, and faith, faith is a really interesting thing. Cause I, you know, I, I don't believe what you believe, but right. we, have come to alignment. It's it's almost like prismatic where we the light has entered from two different places, but we've found the same thing, right? Because I feel very much the same things that you feel, but from a completely different lens and you know, completely different perspective. And I think that's important to understand that we can do that. And when we when we can align those, you know, those those thoughts and recognize that you can be you, Jim, and I can be me, and we can come together and, and create something really important here with this podcast and, and, you know, beyond and give people a different idea of what it is, but we come to an understanding of how we define things like faith, right? How do we, how do we define things like acceptance? How do we build things like acceptance, right? Because there's multiple different paths, clearly. And I really love what you know, I really love your experience in having that ability to look at all of the things that you've looked at before and come to this point of speaking on religion, which mm -hmm. in, in many ways, like it's, it's not a popular topic right now. No, right? it's not. There's, there's deconstruction uh, mm -hmm. topics that are going all over TikTok right now. I'm a TikTok guy. So obviously, I, I love TikTok too. So it's good. Right. And so, so there's, there's the deconstruction movement. There's, you know, it's just not a popular topic to, to, to have those discussions about, but there's still remarkably important things in terms of faith that are being kind of almost pushed to the wayside when we have those, you know, those deconstruction discussions, right. Where, you know, Maybe it's good for some people, but there's also a part of this where we're, we're, we're also with, we're throwing out the baby with the bathwater, right? We're throwing out faith with something that is necessary, right? You don't need Christianity to have faith. You don't need atheism to have faith. You, you just need faith. And it's important to understand that how you construct that faith is, is really important. Yeah. And I think there's a big point there and, and, and there's actually multiple points here. And one of the things is, is this is where it gets the, the water gets muddied and where people get angry, because if I look at it from a Christian perspective, we absolutely 100 unequivocally percent believe that the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. That's the Bible. Mm -hmm. If I look at it from a, a, what is it? Uh, 
Muslim way, they believe the same. The only way to Allah, if, if I look at it from Jewish, same thing. Very monotheistic religions look at it from our way is the only way, right? Then you get into Hindu and all, and they accept many things, but even the core of what their, their actions are is live righteously, right? So there's parts in every religion that, that can be overlapping, but the, the true point of acceptance is understanding that we may never agree on certain points. Like, I'm never going to change my point of view that Christianity is the only way to heaven. Like, it's not going to change, but I can accept your decision and where you sit and still love you and have a good conversation and really learn from you and see your world experiences and, and see what's the world from your eyes, basically, without ever having to compromise my own beliefs and never have to push them on you. Because if we're having good conversation, then we should be able to share hard things and just cause us to think, yeah. cause us to question instead of cause us to judge. Yeah. And I think that's when we look at the, and we can move from, from, religion to politics to several things that's the essence of what i think is missing is these deep conversations that lead to understanding even if you never agree this is is i want to i want to interrupt if you don't yeah, mind go for it, go for it. Yeah. this, this kind of brings in mind uh one of the things that i think has built my own foundation of of, of pers i'm sorry of faith yeah my my foundation of faith is is wholeheartedly built on my foundation of values, right? Mm -hmm. Like I've, I think it, it's interesting because what hearing what you say, it's I've always built my, or I've always looked at faith as a value, and the reality is that my values are my faith, and I think I've had that backwards in many ways because when I look at it, what I do have one hundred percent faith is or faith in is my ability to respect people, right? Because that value is so fundamental to me, um, to empathize with people, to hold people accountable as well, um, right. to learn, to grow, to, to, to focus on my own integrity. Right. And so what I've, what I've developed is not much different than, than what many religions look at is the, the understanding of what is righteous. Um, and, and what is, what is right and what is wrong. Mm -hmm. um, my faith is built within my own set of values that I look at the world. I perceive the world and I determine through the world and my own perspective, what is right and wrong. Yeah. And very simply, if you don't have that, you're going to struggle. Right. And if you don't have, if you don't have an ability to either create that foundation or look at something that already has created that foundation for you, right? In many ways, that's what religions are built upon is this foundation right. of this is what you can, this is what you should have faith in because all people need this, all people need love, all people need respect. That right. kind of brings me back to your point of like, all of these conversations that we have are mm -hmm. built on a, a, an expectation that we both have respect for each other. Absolutely. Oh right? my gosh. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's a value, right? Like that's, that's one of, that's a big value of mine of like, this is, I've, I've defined that this is what respect looks like. This is what too much respect looks like. This is what too little respect looks like. Right. If I give too much respect, there's problems. If I give too little respect, there's obviously problems. And yep. what I, what I found and, and something that has, has really changed the way I work with people is helping people define 
what those values mean, right? right. And it, it, it's, it's really remarkable that I have these conversations all the time, right? This, this, is, this is 31 episodes into a podcast where I've just been interviewing people like yourself that teach me more about how I perceive the world. And I think it's remarkable, yeah. right? Because one of, one of the most important parts about my growth has always been, I don't know what I don't know. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's a core foundation of leadership too. You know what yeah. you know, and then there, there's things you don't know. And once that's your blind spots. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's huge. It's huge. And I think faith is, you know, this conversation specifically is going to definitely make me rethink how I've looked at faith, you mm -hmm. know, recently and kind of make me dig a little bit deeper. I like, I like that. Yeah. And, and it should. And, and as I, I, one of my former majors, before I switched over to Christian ministries, I was a music major and I was a philosophy major. And what was so interesting about philosophy, and I love it, I could probably sit and talk all day long about philosophy, is the whole concept around values and morals and ethics and stuff, you know, Socrates, Kant, you know, all those guys. The, the bigger question is, and this is not one that could probably be answered today. Maybe it could for you. I, but the bigger question revolves always around is if I am the authority in what I believe my morals and my ethics, right. And what I feel or what are those things are my basic truth, my belief. How do we know that one day you're not going to wake up and suddenly think murder's okay. You know, you think about this and this is like really hard stuff to really kind of question because nobody likes uncomfortable questions. Yeah. And you think about that, who or what, is your moral compass informing your morals and ethics. So like, like we, I'll just use Christianity because that's my context. Yeah. You know, the God of the Bible and, and you know, Jesus Christ and stuff, this is like, he, he really focused on when you live in Christ, when you live according to God's ways, this is the moral and ethical standard, love one another, you know, and then, and then things like that. And we, and he just dives deeper and deeper and deeper of about defining what the values and the moral and the ethics of living under the Christian worldview is right. You have an absolute truth, defining a relative truth, yep. which is our morals and ethics are always relative to our, you know, our context. And so if that's the case, and I built my, my whole framework around humanitarianism, not humanitarian, uh, humanism, where I am my own moral and ethic guide, and I get to define that. Well, it makes me think that through another piece of traumas, I'm going to wake up and suddenly my whole perspective change on that, you know, and those are questions that we really have to really dig deep into. Um, because it does change the conversation. Because I know, I know, like we and, I, and I'll stop here in a second. I'm sorry. I know, like we think, well, I've been doing this a long time. And, and, and eventually, you know, I'm, I feel like this will be the, cons the construct for the rest of my life. And, and we, we get deep into that conviction. But I'm going to tell you, a lot of the biggest convictions in the world take one traumatic thing to change everything we believe. Yeah. And so when you don't have an absolute truth, we hang things on that guide those morals and ethics. When, when, that, when that traumatic or that major experience comes in, are we strong enough to stay to that? Or will we shift with the, with the, with the chaos? Just something to think about. I, I love, I love the question and, and what it makes me think of, um, you know, I, I really, I really struggled with my religion, um, and my faith, uh, at the beginning of my life. So when I was six years old, I lost my dad to suicide. Mm. And what I was instantly told after that moment was, 
my dad's going to go to hell. He was a suicide. Um, and, and that's what I, that's what I lived with. And, and, and yet I still went to, I went to a Lutheran school, uh, or a, a Lutheran like Sunday school, um, for a while, for a couple of years. And, and once I was told that I was, I was instantly deterred from Christianity and what that, what that taught me. And it's, and I don't look at it now as I'm deterred from Christianity because of that. I know that's not the right answer, um, from, from not only my studies, but from other people who studied this. Um, but what that built within me, right. This, this instant of trauma, of difficulty, of struggle, of grief, um, it taught me to have, have that absolute truth become humanity where I, I think I created within myself the idea that I have faith in what human beings teach me. And Mm. I I really love, uh, I really love Jordan Peterson's kind of idea about this, where we are, we are a social, uh, we, we have a social dynamic of we learn from each other, right? Like babies are, are, are born with mirror neurons. And so what they do is they watch and learn. They can't speak to us. They cry uh, and they determine through our interaction with them how to actually communicate, what they can actually right. do to get what they want or get what they need. And so he, you know, he talks about in his most recent book is that, uh, you know, we our, our social institution is basically, you know, being social, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's who we are. And so, oh, yeah. you know, how I, how I kind of look at, like, if, if we talk about my own faith, and this is a really interesting discussion, because I've never had this discussion yet, um, is that my faith is very much built upon how other people look at the world and perceive the world. And that has never changed throughout my life, which is an interesting kind of uh, relative, uh, transgression throughout my life, right. Mm -hmm. That has never changed in me, right. I've been through traumas upon traumas upon traumas, right. I lost my dad to suicide. Uh, I went to Afghanistan, saw the things that I saw in Afghanistan. Uh, you know, I, I almost killed myself in 2015. Um, and, and I went through multiple traumas in the past couple of years that have been difficult, right. But what I have never lost is my ability to watch and learn from people and listen to people and learn from people. I know not everybody is like that, but this is me, right? This is about what I understand. And so what I've developed is, is this overwhelming faith in, and, and trust in humans. And, and what is interesting about that is my trust is not what is commonly perceived as trust right? I trust that people are operating in their self-interest. They do what they want, right? Whether they, whether they know it or not, they do what they want. And so I don't expect people, right? I don't, I don't have that idea of trust where I'm expecting you or I trust you to do what's right for me, right? Because you have no idea what's right for me, especially if I've been through trauma, right? And so what I've really begun to understand is that I have faith in people to do what they want. And simply that teaches me how to operate within the world. And it allows me to determine what's right and wrong very clearly. And that's why I'm, I'm always going to believe that there's, there's a very large gray area where people do not know how to operate. 
Mm-hmm. And they just don't know how to answer those questions, regardless of whether they're Christian, Muslim, whether they're like myself, whether they're atheist, wh- whatever, doesn't matter. There's always going to be a gray area because that's humanity. And we don't know whether this is operating in our self-interest or we shouldn't do that. Yeah, I'm going to tell you, like, I love that. I love that uh, how you put that. Um, there's two things I want to say. Let me first and foremost say that that kind of that makes me sick that somebody at your age said, oh, he's going to hell. And I and I understand in the Lutheran and the Catholic, you know, Catholic faith, they teach that if you die with that level of sin on your life, then you go to hell. That's not what the Bible teaches. Matter of fact, the Bible doesn't even mention suicide. Really, it doesn't. It's silent. And you know, your the 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 prerequisite of getting into heaven is an acceptance of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's basically what the Bible says. Now, everything else, He's going to judge when you get there. You know, and there will be some things you you know will be judged. And so it makes me sick when there's this absolute like, oh, they're going to hell. Like, dude, you have no idea. Like, yeah. you have no. I'm not God. Like, I have no idea what they died with. Now, I will know if they died with Christ. Then guess where they're going? When you know they're going to heaven. If not, you know, there's no, they, they will not spend eternity with God. And that's the Bible's very clear on that, but he, but it's talked about in a very loving way. So that first and foremost makes me upset that, 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 that sentiment or that mindset is still around and it still is. Yep. And it makes me upset very much. The so. other thing I, I do want to speak to, which again, I love what you're saying, because again, this is my whole life. I, you know, the relational leader, this, this, this whole relational based uh, personal development, everything, how we relate to ourselves, how we relate to the world, how we relate to our teams, how do we build sales team, all that stuff, because it's all about relationship. And even Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. Yeah. And those that make it a religion are missing the best part. Yeah. And it's in that, and I, and from what I'm hearing from you, which is, which is so fascinating, and you see humanity, obviously, as, a, as an ideal construct, and just saying, like, here's what the best of humans and, and I understand them like, hey, I expect them to do it in their best interest because people will always do what's in well, the interest themselves. Let me right. let me interrupt. You. I wouldn't say it's I it's you know, you said ideal construct. I don't think that's true. OK, right? like because it's not it's not what's in there. What's in people's self-interest is not always what's best. No, it's not. And that's I think that's an important takeaway to understand my perspective is that I don't expect people to do what's right for everybody else and to do what's right in general. Okay. It's just what is in their self-interest. Right. That makes and that's, sense. And I think, no, that makes perfect sense because that's where we're, where we're talking about is people are going to do what people want because that's what they need for themselves. Yep. I struggle with that. Like, I know it's truth. That's absolute truth. Like people are going to do what's in their best interest, but based on a lot of the conversation, like if I was, really into a place where I learned from the people I grew up with that formed my whole met mindset of a lot of things, I would be nothing more than an abuser right now. Yeah. Cause my dad was an abuser. His dad was an abuser. Uh, you know, a lot of the family members were not abusers, but they were emotionally damaged and hurting people, hurt people. Yeah. And so my whole life has been around hurting people, not me hurting people, but just people that were hurt, you know, and what that looks like about how, when they're hurt, they're going to just hurt people to protect themselves. And that's even with my wife's illnesses. A lot of it is this, this concept of self-preservation, do whatever it takes to make sure you're safe. And I personally couldn't, even in my, even in the midst of me being an atheist, practicing witchcraft, all that stuff, I never could put myself into a place 
where I could, I learn from everybody. Let me say this. Let me, con- let me context this. I learn from everybody. Everybody I meet, I learn something from because I believe there's such beauty in gaining from one another. Yep. Okay, where are you from? I just love it. I love people. People don't understand how much I love people. But then there's other thing is, is the reality of it is that people are, are so at a place where they are and a lot of them are self-preservation that if I put my hands or my trust in people or humanity, then we're going to ultimately find out that I'm going to get hurt somewhere like really bad. And, you know, we've both been to like, you've been to Afghanistan. I've been over to Kosovo, things like that. Um, and just watching what people are capable of doing. Yep. And so I need it for me. I needed a different model. I needed something that said, or someone that said, here is what the truth is. And then speak into the challenges of humanity and how to really, you know, call people to a better place, call people to a higher standard, you know, to be, I know this is cliche in the coaching world, be the best version of yourself. That's so cliche. It's like so overused. It's crazy, but it's really, you know, there's something powerful in that. Like for me, one of my core values is authenticity. Yep. So let's, you know, what, where could we go that speaks into the core of a person says, here's what your identity really is. And let's pull out the authenticity of that so that you can live at a higher standard. And that's where I really fell into and why after like the abuse I went through, the abuse my wife went through, it was harder for us to put in our hands in the faith of humanity and really grow and say, I trust this. Yeah. It's not even trusting a person. It's trusting, you know, the whole of what we believe they're going to do. Right. Now, I I agree with you on that. I know people are going to be self-interest, but there's good people. There's not so good people. Yeah. But you know how that goes. Well, it's, you know, when, when I, when I look at that, right. And, and how I've kind of made that work for me, because I I don't think it's going to work for everybody. Right. I I certainly don't, you know, my, my story is very, very, uh, very complicated. It's very, you know, goes all over the place, right? I've been, been through so many different experiences in, in so yeah. many different ways that not many people are going to end up walking the path that I walked, right? Oh, not at all. And, and so when I, when I look at myself, when I look at my story and I understand how I look at people and how I look at that, the realism that I've needed to see and recognize is that my vastness of experience required me to build something that was remarkably realistic, mm-hmm. not something that had rigid rules or even not so rigid rules, but rules in general. I needed something that was free form that I could create. Right. I very much needed that at the time of what I was really struggling with in 2015, because I felt like I was having to fit into a rule system um, from many different people telling me how to live my life. Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't functional for me um, right. because I didn't, I didn't think like that. I didn't operate like that. And, you know, when I, when I look at the world, I look at it from a remarkably realistic sense or a remarkably realistic perspective. I try to, I don't right. always see what I need to see. And that's why I ask these questions. That's why I push into yeah. these topics and have the hard conversations about things like suicide and trauma and even religion. Now, like I I've, never had this kind of conversation with someone. Um, but I love it because it teaches me more about how to 
how to look at this and how to create an understanding for other people to walk maybe similar paths to me or similar paths to you. It doesn't right. matter to me. As yeah. long as we learn how to come into the same kind of prismatic sense where the light all crosses in each, in each other's form and we're able to see the same thing. Um, and that's, you know, when I, when I look at self-interest and when I look at society, I see society as not necessarily trying to limit the, limit the opportunities for people rather to help people see, you know, help people give the opportunities to walk in the paths that turn them towards seeing what we see um, and, and giving the education in many different aspects. I think one of the struggles of, of any society is always going to be education. It's going to be how, you know, and because I've seen this from many different aspects of, you know, Christian cults here in America. I've seen it from the madrasas in, in uh, Pakistan and, and Afghanistan. I've studied that. Um, when you get this fundamentalism idea of a religion, or you teach a specific topic in a way that is, you know, remarkably out of context, right? You're teaching people to be self-interested in things like uh, child abuse, sexual tra sex trafficking, um, things like uh, martyrdom, right? In, in Afghanistan and, and you're teaching people the, the completely out of context version of these stories. Um, and it's, it's not so much about it. You, you can't limit people, right? You have to open up the wide berth of what the human experience really is, right? right? Because we may have gone through this, through the same thing, but we saw it from completely different perspectives, Jim. Oh my gosh. Yes. It's right? always going to be different perspectives. Oh gosh. Yes. Like you'll never, we'll never actually experience the same thing the same way, yeah. you know, so there's that, you know, what's, what's so interesting and what brings up a, a really kind of interesting thought as you're speaking, well, two, actually one revolves around boundaries and one revolves around uh, a story that I remember in the Bible. And, 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 you know, most people know whether you're a Christian or not know the Adam and Eve story, right? Mm -hmm. They're in the garden with God and there's two trees, knowledge and, you know, life. And I think what, what really is interesting about this man is, is you say you made the statement, Hey, we need more education. I'm going to go on the other side of that. And I said, we need more relationship because I think some of us are way too educated for our own good. And I guess, I guess that depends on your, your definition of education. You, you really do. I mean, there's multiple right. levels. Like we could even talk about the levels and the types of education and how that all plays out. But if you really think at the core of it is in that story, Adam and Eve went after knowledge. They went after more education. And they lost yeah. the relationship. Right. And if you think about that, that's still happening today. The, we, we're, we're in the internet age, the information age, and all these things become smarter, become smarter, become smarter, become smarter. And with everything that's happening with all the technology, we're interconnected, like we're, we're interacting, but we're very, very little are connecting. Right. And we're losing relationship in lieu of getting smarter, getting more experiences, getting these things trying to be I right. Think I think that's what the world is missing, to be honest with you, because if we had more relationship, like if we were like deep, like not afraid to be vulnerable with one another, not afraid to have courage and say, you know what, we may never agree on some stuff, but I'm gonna love you, man. And me and you're gonna go get a drink someday. You know what I'm saying? Like, just be cool with it. 
and just build that depth of relationship, I think the world would be a whole different place. And you learn as you build that relationship and I'm, education becomes supplemental to that. I'm curious for a moment, right? And I, I almost want to play a kind of a devil's advocate in a way yeah. where you look at the past before you know, interactive technology could connect us from 6,000 miles apart, right? What the relationship was before this, right? Where, cause, cause here's, here's what I see. I'm a TikTok guy, right? That's where I started this, where I grew all of this. It's where I kind of came out of my shell in many ways to talk about these yeah. topics. If TikTok had never existed, I don't think I would have done this, mm -hmm. right? And the relationship with myself prior to 2015, right? Or, or I'm sorry, after 2015 really was highly dependent on one thing, social media, interactive technology. It was, it was my ability to connect with people that I didn't even have, have to talk to. I had relationships with people like Bessel van der Kolk mm -hmm. and Simon Sinek and Gary Vaynerchuk and all of these people that don't know me, but I was able to create a relationship with these people by watching them, listening to them, reading their, their books. And, you know, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you in terms of relationships. Right. But I think in many ways we, we have a, we have a way of looking at social media from a very, uh, critical viewpoint because we look at this and we say we're, we're disconnecting but mm -hmm. the reality is is that people are coming out of their shells and opening up uh in ways that they've never been able to right that's why weirdness is coming out on social media and we look at this and like well this is weird right that's why we looked at tiktok you know two three years ago and was like you're on tiktok isn't that for kids isn't that for dancing Right. Um, and the reality is before TikTok, people that wanted to do things because they, they just felt like they wanted to do things. They felt like they had the freedom to do things were chastised and criticized, right? They were abused by their parents. They were, uh, you know, they were cast out of society. They were treated with disrespect. And right. in many ways, there's, there's many different, right? Like racism, Right. Racism, right. sexism existed prior to social media, but now social media is giving people a voice that has never that have never had a voice before. So one of the, was, the thing is about that is there are benefits with social media. I, I, I'm a social media guy. Listen, I'm a YouTuber. I, I do. I love stuff like this. But what social media is, is exposure. Yeah, it should never be the replace of relationship. True. And so like it'll give me the exposure because here's what I know. Like when you look at the stories behind some of these people that we say, Oh, they made it. Look, they have all of this stuff and they've, they've got their thousand fans or a million fans or whatever. Many of them are empty on the inside and depressed yeah. and seeking, seeking, seeking after things. And what we've just, what I'm looking at is, is a generation, not age wise, but this current generation we're living in is people who are desperate to be noticed. Not everybody, just don't let me, I, I want to refer that. Not everybody. There's a lot of powerful message. And I, like I said, I follow a lot of TikTokers. I love TikTok, but there's a desperation to be noticed because it's my, about exposure. My mm -hmm. question is why? 
And I'm, and I'm going to tell you, it's a lack of relationship where you lack relationship in one area, you will find it in another. Yeah. And so the same thing, if you have, if you're married, if you have a sexless marriage, guess what? They gonna find it somewhere else. It all comes back to relationship. If I'm not in my family union, having the proper and most healthiest relationships, I'm going to go and flaunt and look at for somewhere else. Right. It's the, it's the thing, the studies they do, how fatherless homes the daughters tend to be pregnant at younger ages looking for a replacement father figure. It's, it's things like that. They've done studies where, you know, social media is actually equivalent to cocaine in your brain, like the way the brain wires and operates and there's the addictions. And I don't think there's something wrong with social media. Like I love it. Like I think it's needed and it's given us the level of ability to expose and, you know, connect, uh, not connect, but interact on a level that's never been seen before. And I think it's only going to get more. Yeah but that should never replace the core of building that core relationship. Because even right. here, like I'm a networker. Listen, I'm, I know thousands of people. Like I I'm a networker. I'll pop you off the Rolodex. I, I don't believe I said the Rolodex. I'm aging myself there, but right. the deal is like, because I'm in connection with somebody or like, you know, and I'm, and I know several big names too, but I'm not in relationship with them. I know them enough to get them on my show, but I don't know them enough to have coffee with them. You know, and we even got to get into that level of what level of relationship are we having? And the truth of the matter is we can hide in plain sight, never deal with our issues yeah. and completely be surface level on everything else and wonder why we're empty on the inside. Yeah. And I think that's the core. I love stories like you, like, man, you, you're, you're exploding, you're having growth, you're helping people. And it was all because TikTok was a, was a supplemental or a primary exposure method that got you to be known. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And I think you need to be known by more people. Like, I think this is a beautiful thing you're doing. But I also notice in our conversation, you're also on the emotionally healthy side. Like yeah. you've worked on yourself a lot and I can see that. Yeah. But how many millions of people out there haven't? Right. And so this is, is it's a slippery soap kind of discussion because social media is one that is a beautiful thing. People are making livings off of it. People are connecting i mean i connected with somebody I've, i haven't seen in 40 years you know kind of things like that super cool but it should never take the primary driver's seat in your life and i think that's the that's the travesty social media is taking the primary driver's seat the same people that we would call weird that's which i love some of those guys like some of them are so funny and i love it but i suppose i taught special ed too for a while so i'm used to weird i'm used to not nor like what what society wouldn't call normal, which I think is totally normal because I've, I'm used to being in that segment of contextualization with people. But the reality of it is you take them off of that and they change and they become withdrawn again in this thing. So there is a beauty in that, but then there's also a devastation of that, that they're not building the proper healthy things in their lives so that the social media becomes a tool and not the driving factor. Yeah. And, and yeah. why I, why I ask you the question why is is because what i've what i see right i'm a mental health coach so what i who the people i talk to are the people that are struggling with this right this big yeah. question of how do i how do i overcome myself how do i overcome my traumas my ptsd my miss this mental health this mental health um what i notice is that if if you're craving attention it's because it's never been given to you Right. And mm -hmm. I'm sure, and you know this, right. Yeah, and, that, yeah. and when, when you 
look at social media and how it's kind of developed. Like you look at Facebook and Facebook's kind of where it's where all the family drama is, right? Instagram's where the perfection is. YouTube's where everything is, you know, long form (laughs) content. Like there, I mean, there's no, you can't really look at YouTube and be like, it's for this, right? Where like, you can kind of understand what all the other platforms are for. And, and TikTok is, is quite different in, in what it's been built into, right? It's yeah. very real, right? Never before on any other platform have I seen the level of realness, the level of, mm-hmm. certainly there's misinformation, absolutely, because people don't, not all people know what they're talking about, right? Right. That, that includes us. Like there's, we're going to talk about things. And then 10 years later, someone's going to be like, hey, you remember that podcast? And I'm going to be like, yeah, I was wrong, right? Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. And that's where we got to be adults. And I'd be like, yeah, I missed that one. Right. And, and, but like, what I've noticed is that social, you're right. Social media shouldn't be the front runner. It shouldn't be the forefront of your life, but it is absolutely a tool right now to create relationships. And it should be. Yeah. And, and, and that is right. Like that is what I really think is, is kind of transforming right now is that we are, we are coming into a situation in which if your parents didn't give you the attention, if your parents didn't teach you how to build faith, how to build values, to, to build an understanding of things like trauma, if they abuse you, if they hurt you, you're seeing people have an actual outlet for the first time in human history in many yeah. ways, right? Yeah. Where social media can connect you with people like myself, people like you, people like whoever else that's on social media that's trying to help people actually understand their lives and it's happening at a rate that is almost ridiculous, right? It, I mean, it's, it's for, for the first, you know, I, I felt like I could probably walk into a high school and ask them, like, how much have you learned more from TikTok than you do from high school? And right. I feel like a lot of people would be raising their hands, right? Oh, yeah, no doubt. They would, um, TikTok would be the number one place they learn from. Yeah, and, and that's never happened before. No. You know, before, before what, like 1990, when the internet came out, like it, it never happened, right? Like people had to learn from their parents, their grandparents, their teachers and their friends. And right. you didn't always have good relationships with all of those. No, you didn't. You didn't. And I think, again, it's tools are amazing when they're used properly. Yeah. Tools are a struggle when you, when they're, when they're used improperly. I mean, think about the same thing. A screwdriver can be used to build a house or a screwdriver can be used to hurt somebody right. like a tool properly used is amazing. And I worry, not worry. I get concerned because we assume the best health of people who are using the tool. And that's not the case. Yep. I mean, if you like, think about it, look at the comments, like the comments are toxic, man. Like a lot of those comics on TikTok are just toxic. Yeah. And I, that, that concerns me because you have fragile people who are exposing themselves, which I, again, I honor, I love, I absolutely love that, but you get that fragility mixed with that toxic comment and you wonder what's going to happen. And I don't know, like, I I don't know, but you just wonder, can they withstand that? And I think there needs to be a further conversation around, Hey, Let's get in a better relationship with yourself as you do this. Like, don't do this before you do this. Do it together. And I think that if, if somebody was out there trumpeting that, like, build healthy internally. So as you expose externally, you do it in a better way. And, and what comes against you never gets in you. Right. 
And I think that would be a great model. I mean, like, and yeah, YouTube, just as a side note, funny side note, YouTube started as a dating app, a dating service. Did you know that? And didn't know YouTube first, it was like all dating videos and stuff. And then they ended up being YouTube really funny, but go ahead. Funny. I had no idea. (laughs) Side note, interesting. Random side note of the show. (laughs) (laughs) I learned something new every day about social media. Yeah, I know. Right. God, that's funny. No, it's really, it's, it's, it's really remarkable to, to kind of have that conversation and kind of dig into that because I, you know, I, I saw, I did some research the other day and, and found a Ted talk that talked about violence. Um, and violence has always been something that I've been really interested in, in understanding. Um, and what, what it, the premise of that Ted talk was violence historically since the beginning of time has gone down has, has always trended downward. Even, even with the wars that we fight, um, violence has always trended downward, uh, since the beginning of beginning of time and how we interact with each other. Um, and that caught me off guard in many ways, because that's not what is kind of mainstream, right? When we talk about news media and social media, right? There's always this, this conceptualization that we're more violent. And the reality is, is that we're not, you know, historically we've trended down in terms of violence. And I think social media in, in many ways has also been a significant player in the last 20 years of, of that in terms of holding people accountable to their actions, right? You see, you know, on TikTok, there's, there's been a number of big creators that have been called out like, Hey, one, you've sexually assaulted people, right? Uh, two, you've hurt people, blah, 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 this, 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 um, you know, pedophilia has been called out like these, these really, uh, malicious and heinous things, uh, for the first time again, has there's accountability in places where it's never been before. And it's really, it's really interesting to see that kind of unravel and unfold itself for the first time. And, and, you know, we talked about being victim, being a victim or being victimized. I think people have a, a lot more opportunities to see role models if they don't have the role models present in their lives. And so yeah, I, I think I think generally people have this, this will and desire to do good for themselves. They have the will and desire to see, you know, a role model and emulate them. And I think in the beginning of social media, which is why it's continued to trend differently, right? Facebook wasn't it. There's certainly people still there, people that want to argue that might still be struggling with their own traumas that want to argue about family, that want to argue about politics, that want to argue about just about everything. There's there's still people on Instagram that are desiring perfection, right? Yeah. And then, you know, there's YouTube. I don't know. I don't know what people do on YouTube, but then there's, there's TikTok and there's, there's, reality on TikTok, unlike the other two platforms. Um, right. Certainly Facebook and Instagram certainly have that. Um, and, and Twitter, I don't want Twitter to be left out, but. Um, well, Twitter is its own animal, my yeah. friend. And like, if you want to go, uh, if you want to see a mob, you go to the Twitter mob, man, that, right. that, that group is. I don't even know where to start with Twitter. I've never uh, really been on Twitter uh, consistently, so I don't really know how to how to have that conversation. Twitter's amazing on some things. Like if you want to find out what the latest NFT or what's happening in crypto yeah. and, and trading, which I do some in that, 
like you go there, like all the latest updates are going to hit a tweet, like right off the bat, it comes right out and you're like, boom. And you see it before they announce on any other platform and hits Twitter usually first, but you get onto a place where you, the, the, the crowd of Twitter doesn't agree with you. Oh my gosh. They all like gang up and the, and it just yeah. comes an explosion. I'm like, man, whoo. Yeah. So I don't try to, I don't try to be on Twitter too much. Um, although again, I, but I'm also the guy, like, I'm not trying to do like 50 platforms. So I'm right. just trying to focus right. on, on the one, maybe two and just grow it and go from there. Yeah. And that's, that's why I'm one, I'm, that's why I'm on TikTok. I'm on TikTok, TikTok and Instagram and Facebook, but I focus on TikTok. Yeah. But, but yeah, I think, I think social media is trending in the direction of, again, relationships. I think it's getting there of trying to build relationships and there's, there's a development. Um, you know, I've, I obviously see what I see on TikTok, but, um, it's more available and that means it's all, that's, that's a good thing, right? Certainly there's, there's obvious critical issues within, um, social media that we we're still trying to address because it's so new, but it's trending in a direction. Right. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's going to trend in direction. One thing is about social media and the, the com- conversations about relationship is they're all algorithm based. Yeah. So what you like, it shows you. Yep. And so if you like that, you, you think the whole there's a ton of it because you're like, hey, oh, look, it's this and that, this after this after this, where then you have a person like my daughter who likes everything. So to, so places like TikTok has no idea what to show her. So you see some of the best and some of the worst of humanity on that thing. And yeah. Um, yeah, man. So it, it's definitely a great conversation when you really want to get into the, the core of relationships and, and the whole core of who am I and what am I here to express in the world? Like every person, I absolutely 100 and unequivocally percent believe that you were born to answer a problem in this world. Like there's an expression and a, and a problem to solve that you were uniquely created to solve. And so most of the people are trying to find that. That's why you have these whole concepts and conversations around what's my purpose, what's my purpose. And what you're seeing people is expressing things, likes, interests in a great way of exposure to ultimately find what their purpose in life really is. You know, some of them are out there trying to be the, oh, I'm the famous influencer making lots of money, whatever. That's not their purpose, but that's a tool. But the other thing is, is that people are trying to find their purpose. And I think a lot of them are trying to find their identity. We're living in a society that has lost sight of who they really are. And we try to be who everybody tells us to be. And that we can go into the whole conversation of trauma and how that plays into it. But the reality of it is people are searching for themselves. They're searching for an answer. They're searching on who they are, what they're here to do, what they're good at, what, what can they connect with people. Right. You know, and I think for me, I found that in my faith, bringing all, bringing this whole conversation full circle. Yeah. I found that in my faith. Cause I've been, again, I've been all over the world. I've tried I've been many, like, if you see my resume, like, man, it's like eight pages long of all the things I've tried to do. Yeah. Only to come back to what I was originally meant to do, but I took the long way. And for me, I found those answers of identity. I found those answers of, you know, purpose within my faith which now for me, TikTok or, and I, I think about doing some TikToks, but like I'm a YouTuber, like I said, I, I'm trying to grow YouTube. Yeah. So like for you, and, I, and like we talked before the show, I may even consider a podcast. 
So like for me, that becomes something that I bring into my life as an extension of who I already am, not who I am. Like it doesn't become my identity, Right. but I worked hard on the forefront to where now this thing that I'm doing, if it went away, I don't lose myself. Yep. And I think that's what the world needs to really understand is that's what they're looking for. Right. And you're not going to find it on a platform. You're going to find it within yourself. And again, for me, it took my faith. And from there, let what's in you come out of you so that the beauty that's inside of you, the beauty that you you're meant to bring to this world becomes just that. And people are inspired because you live. People are inspired because you're authentic. People are inspired to move in their own lives because you found health and you found how to manage your mental health. You found how to manage your issues to a place where you can live a full content life. And now you're, and and in the midst of that, you're trying to share the struggles and the glory and the victory with everybody else so that they can do the same. And I think that's the place we all need to get to, but it all starts with that. What is the relationships I need to help me get to these places? Yeah, absolutely. I like, I, I, I have, I have a difficult time adding anything to that. That's, that's a great explanation. It's, it's very simply a relationship with yourself, right? And that, that relationship with how you think about you, right? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, there's a lot of different things. And, you know, we had the conversation about religion. We had the conversation about social media. All of those things can help you begin that thought process, but mm-hmm. the thoughts are really what define it, right? And, and how you create it, right? Like if you work with, uh, me as a mental health coach, or if you work with Jim, like the reality is, is that we can only give you a, a very simple understanding of what we've been through and what might help you. But ultimately, people have to determine for themselves. And that determination is the work. That's the hard yep. thought processing, the the developing of of habits, the developing of understandings, of perspectives, of recognition of your faults of your weaknesses of your strengths of who you really are um all of that stuff is up to you as a person realistically gotta make decisions yep absolutely well jim i feel like we could probably talk for a couple hours um well, I'm sure we could. yeah but if uh, one thing i probably should have asked you in the beginning how can people get in touch with you Oh yeah, absolutely. So I'm on all the socials. Uh, you know, you can find me on lead with Jim. That's actually my moniker there on all the socials. Um, I'm mainly on Facebook and YouTube. So that's where you're going to find me most. Um, and if you comment, message me, I'm, I'll answer all of them. Um, I'm, ha- I'm getting a, re- a website rebuilt. I tore it down because my old direction is no longer my current direction. So I said, sure. we're going to rebrand everything. And yep. so I'm even thinking about, like I said, starting my own little inspirational TikTok. I have a TikTok account, just don't have a video on there yet. But if you go to Lead with Jim, um, you can lead with Jim on any of the socials. You can connect me through that. And also uh, leadwithjim.com. It is, it, it'll go to um, a landing page. And on, and on that page, you can get, I do have a free disc uh, personality ebook that I created. It's, it's kind of really give that conversation started about, your wiring, like how are you wired with your behavior and communication styles? It's a start. Um, go grab that book. 
Um, happy to have conversations around it. And we'll be, uh, you know, I can meet with you, talk with you and see you throughout the interwebs, man. Absolutely. Perfect. And we'll, I'll make sure I get all those, those links from you for, for yeah. all of that and put it in the description. Um, I forgot to tell you about this part of the interview. Um, I always ask a, a question, so you're going to have to do it on the spot. Apologize. Okay. Um, yeah. You're going to have fun with it though. I like it. Um, so this is the only scripted question I actually do, but if there was one message you could leave the world, what would it be? If there was one message that I could lead the world, oh my gosh, there's a lot I would love to lead the world. But if there was only one message, the message that transformed my life, the message that I fall into um, is I think would simply be this, is the Christianity that people often believe is Christianity because of their hurts or their pain may not be the experience that God wanted to have in their lives because Christianity at its core is relationship. And if I was to leave this world today and, you know, we come back to this, I think it was that come to a place where you're wanting to experience the relationship of it, not what everybody's telling you that you need to do. Because again, it has been the one thing that has driven my wife and I to health. We've been 20 years married, uh, six mental illnesses from her, autoimmune issues with me. I also have insomnia and several other things that I got from the military, you know, and we've navigated all of this place of unhealthiness, of challenges, of overcoming suicide, all of this, because we had the bedrock relationship with Jesus that got us through every bit of it. And if that was my last message, that would be the one I would leave to the world. Beautiful. Beautiful. Jim, uh, thank you. This has been, one, it's been an enlightening conversation because it opened my eyes to something about myself that I didn't, you know, think I need to contemplate a little bit more and, and how, I, how I look at my own structure, which is awesome as this is why I do this podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly so selfish about this podcast because I get to talk to people like yourself and learn so many different things about people. I love your story. I love what you're doing. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really glad to connect this with people. I also do this a little bit selflessly and share it with other people, obviously. But uh, yeah, I just want to thank you one more time. Um, yeah, any, any final words before we, we call it a day? No, man, I just want to, but I just want to honor you and honor the work you're doing and the conversations you're having, man. So nothing but love, honor, and thank you for, for just being, having the conversation and being willing to have the difficult conversation. I think that is just, that's a beauty and a gift. And it's a gift that I, I, I love that you're sharing with the world is just that openness to talk about the things that we may not always feel comfortable with. And dude, yeah. I, I just want to honor you in that. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Hard to, you know, sometimes hard to hear because I, I don't always honor myself and certainly something I need to work on, but yeah, I appreciate it. I really do. It's a lot to me, but guys, if you've made it this long through, uh, through this wonderful conversation with Jim and I, uh, make sure you follow, make sure you, uh, 
like, like, subscribe, do what all the, all the things that you need to do to, to keep in touch with us. Uh, make sure you go follow Jim on, on all the platforms he's, he's got. Uh, and we'll, uh, we'll see you next time on the, the Dylan experience. Boom.